welcome to a Faith Walking Conversation. In this episode, Marcos Leon and a group of faith workers share a time of meditation and learning about practices that can nurture your soul. This week, they focus on the practice of self-care. This conversation was originally recorded in May of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. Till I'm looking through the eyes of love. I'm gonna look twice at you. Until I see the Christ in you. I'm gonna look twice at you. Today we're gonna talk about self-care as a spiritual practice. This is also uh, a discipline that has become pretty powerful, uh, I think, in my life. And I say powerful because it has been really convicting to see self-care as a spiritual practice, something that nurtures my soul. I have to admit that I live in, uh, for, for, for a long time in this world, or this understanding that somehow my soul, my spiritual being, was somehow de- de- separated from my physical being. You know, and I have to admit that culturally we have even, you know, this idea to think of our body as something that is, you have to kind of tame and domesticate or whatever. And uh, we don't see the body as an integration into that. So it was very convicting for me at some time. But uh, I want to start with the Gerald May. This is one of, of my teachers, you know, a uh, uh, very insightful uh, follower of Christ and also a psychotherapist that has been very helpful in my journey. And he says, humans are physical beings. We are incarnated. The life of our bodies and minds is both an expression of and a prerequisite for our growth as souls. And I, I love how clearly he can bring this connection in all these selves that I have disconnected, right? First to call me incarnated, you know, that connects many dots in my mind. I am incarnated. You are incarnated. You are more than your body, right? Yes, but you are in your body. And my gosh, how many points connects with Jesus and and, and, and the work of Jesus and, and and he modeling life. And, and then he connects this idea of bodies and minds are you know, expression and prerequisites for our growth in our souls. I think sometimes we live in a, in a life and we think that, uh, you know, we, we, it's, it's very spiritual not to take care of our bodies, <laughs> right? So let's consider three ideas that I think are basic for for understanding self-care as a discipline, a spiritual discipline. The first uh, is what we, we read, Gerard made, uh, reminding us, we are integrating beings. Today, I cannot separate my physical being from my, from my emotional being and from my spiritual being. I can't. Yes, there, are, there is a realm in my spirit, there is a realm in my, my emotions and my body and my intellect. But the truth is that uh, even though those distinctions are helpful to learn me see myself, uh, I cannot separate them. I'm happening at once with all these selves. I am integrated. I am uh, only one, there's only one Marcos, not only a spiritual Marcos and a physical Marcos. Today, there's only one Marcos that is happening all the time. And in this integration, we are limited beings. Right? We are limits. We have limits to our intellect, to our emotions, to our strength. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so good. I don't know for you, but for me to remember. I don't know where. Obviously, it's my first formation uh, where I learned this idea of uh, thinking of me as uh, unlimited. And what I mean is that not in a good way, but 
thinking of me, always I can do it. I'm a nine in the Enneagram, for those who are familiar with the Enneagram. And, you know, harmony and the wellness of people around me is very important, right? So guess what? I, I never consider where my limits are. It has been a journey, let's put it that way. Just the awareness that I'm limited is very healthy. And sometimes I have to admit I learn my limits by crashing. You know, it's not the best way to learn your limits. And we're integrated and we're limited and we live in a demanding culture in which productivity, addiction, and more is better. And listen really well, there's no judgment or or criticism in my words. I, I don't pretend to do that, but it's an observation. Culture is faster and faster and faster, right? We faster. The fastest is the best, right? We, we have microwaves and we have high-speed internet. And, and I love all those things. Thanks God for that. But we believe that everything is, is like that. More, more. Acquisition, owning, uh, faster, not limits. It seems that the, the real, at least in, in, in the States, in uh, Western view, Western mindset, you know, productivity is a guiding principle. We have to produce more. We have apps that allow us to uh, uh, do more things every time. We multitask. Uh, We have so many things in which we live uh, at the mercy of a culture that, that is demanding. And we don't have limits, right? We, we have access to everything. You know, we binge on TV. <laughs> right now we have Netflix. We don't even need to... to, to it, it, it plays automatically. You don't have even to press the button. Right? Just in 30 seconds or in three seconds, it's going to start the next one. And, you know, we have access to food, and food is available, more, more whatever, more whatever we like. And you, you can name it, right? We can do that with the sports. We can do that with good things. We have a lot of information. We're addicted to information. Anyway, you get the point, right? We are integrated. We cannot separate our needs, our intellectual, our emotional, and our physical. We are limited. And we live in a culture that doesn't, it's not very convinced with these two things. So self-care is important. Yes. And I'm not your doctor, right? But self-care is important for your health. It is important for your health. I have to admit that sometimes even in, in some um, understanding of, of how health works, even sometimes some of us are a little bit misaligned. You know, we, we medicate instead of prevent. Have you ever been, I mean, I've been at the doctor and said, how are you? I'm fine, I'm stressed. And the first thing that, that the, the doctor offered me was medicine for my anxiety. <laughs> Say what? I don't want to have. I mean, and again, there's no judgment in my, in, my, in my words, but sometimes it's easier to medicate than actually to prevent it, right? But self-care is important for your health. Your health will be the tool that God uses to stop you if you need to, right? Many of us listen to those amazing testimonies of people who, who are actually transformed and awakened spiritually through sickness, after sickness, right? It's a big deal. We can have a whole conversation about it. Self-care is important to your worship. And your testimony. You know, you worship God with everything. Everything that has breath, worship, uh, praise the Lord, right? You and I uh, worship the Lord with our bodies, with what we do, what we don't do, what we think, we don't think. It's not only a Sunday. I, I know you know this well, right? But this is not only a Sunday thing, right? That we just sing many songs and worship. Worship is life. And... We need a body to be alive. And, and it's your testimony. It's a reflection of who you are. 
I think a lot about this with my kids, you know, especially when we are parents, you know, you get connected. So what I am modeling about the care, you know, the respect that I have for my body, for my kids' body, for, for cycles, for rhythms, you know, in, in life. But self-care is important for your testimony. And self-care is important for your ministry, for sure. Somebody writes it so so well and says, "Why? Why is this important? Why this self care? What, what is that self care matters? Because the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few, and we need healthy workers, right? Because when the workers are not healthy, things don't work well." Okay, so let me take uh, a bit, uh, a little journey through scriptures just to, to point this, this out. This is a, a kind of a long passage, but um, you know, uh, Elijah uh, is, a, is, a, is a superhero kind of, right? In, in the Old Testament, wow. And you know the context, right? He had this amazing encounter uh, and, and defeated all the priests of, of uh, you know, false uh, gods, right? And and after this, after all this uh, famine and all this uh, season without rain, uh, he has this moment of, of weakness. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So just I'm going to stop and make some points. So, so you know, there is a moment when we are sad or tired or whatever, and we tend to isolate. And there is a space, that time for isolation. But sometimes that we have to be careful, right? Then he went on alone into the wilderness, which is could be really healthy. Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and pray that he might die. So it's curious when you start seeing something is going south with Elijah, superhero, right? He's alone. He, he is kind of, he has run and he has very tired. And he starts praying a prayer that is kind of, you know, different. I ha- I've had enough, Lord, he say, take my life, for I am not better than my ancestors who have already died. So you see, there is something about the past, in the faith walking world, we say he's making meaning of something, he's comparing himself with. So you can tell that there is an emotional turmoil and a physical turmoil in his life. Um, then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He took around and there beside his, he, he looked around and there, there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai the mountain of God. So you get the picture. I love how practical sometimes is God, right? So here there is a huge thing going on and the ministry of God looks like bread and water and rest, right? And yes, it's an angel bringing it, but you know, what's the big thing here? There's the food that you need. You need strength. You need rest. You need water. And you know the rest of the passage, right? It's, it's so amazing how, how God ministers this strong, faithful servant of God. That the ministry came through things that his body needed. Eventually, the Lord will give him truth too. But sometimes, please, our emotions. Another passage, Mark 8, 1 through 3. This is Jesus. About this time, another large crowd had gathered. And the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some of them have come a long distance. 
So Jesus' compassion, the context of a great miracle, several times, a couple of times at least, right? Jesus is seeing people and he's not only seeing their spiritual needs. Of course, he's seeing the spiritual needs, but he's also seeing the physical needs and he's caring for them. He's caring for, for them. You know, as, as I uh, meet with people sometimes in, in spiritual direction or counseling, I am very aware that one of the first things, especially when there's counseling, there's some problem, is so how are you eating? How are you sleeping? So how is your body? You know, that is the beginning. Self-care matters. There's no spiritual conversation without proper self-care. Fasting is another thing, right? Fasting is a different kind of discipline. It's not lack of self-care. It's not, it's not dieting, it's not lack of self-care. Fasting is another intentional thing that we get into it, but the, the body is important. Another passage, is, passage in 1 Corinthians 3.16, this is the paraphrase, the message. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred, and you, remember, are the temple. I like the way that Eugene Peterson is able to, to bring, you don't get away vandalizing God's temple. I mean, what, will, what, what could I say, you know, when I'm in the presence of Jesus? and uh, He will probably, you know, I don't know, with, a, with, a, with one look of Jesus, <laughs> all the questions might be there, right? How did he take care of you, that? Right. It's not that my body is eternal or is going to matter completely. I know that it will, it will, it will rotten eventually. But, uh, but there is something about being a good steward. Everything that we have received, and my body is not different. Anyway, we are the temple, and we are to take care of that temple. One last passage: Romans twelve one and two. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Love the way that uh, Paul brings this connection. You know, it is, we are living sacrifices. We offer our bodies. And he talks about, the, you know, this is a spiritual connection also with the way that we think and the renewal of our minds. So here there is some, some other touching, the, the intellectual being and the, the holy being, the physical being. And why not? The, the emotional being. And, and he says, you know, that will lead you to God's will. You will be able to actually learn God's will for you. Right? So there is a beautiful promise. Anyway, so three things are part of our self-care. I mean, you, you probably could make a case for more, but I'm going to just talk about the three main aspects, the classic, uh, or in classic spirituality, we think about heart, or emotions, body, and mind. So let's just start with body. How to care for your body? Food. <laughs> Food. And what I'm thinking, this is how to care for things. I think a good distinction, I should probably have, need to write that in the, even in, the, in the PowerPoint or in the presentation. You know, when we think about care, something that is good, the goodness of something has two sides. Something might feel really good, but not be so good, right? Like, that's like sugar. I have little kids and sugar feels really good. And sometimes they might say, I need sugar, mom. I really need candy, right? Well, you like candy and it's good and really it's good, but it's not really good. So you, you get the point, okay? I want to make the distinction between candy and healthy food. And food is an, an easy one to start. All things are like that. And we need discernment. That's the basic about discerning. Okay, discernment. There you go. Spiritual discerning. Is, is sugar good for me or not? 
There you go, right? Whatever you feel God is, is saying, of course, you need sugar and it's a blessing, but you need something else than that. Are you having a pattern of, of eating? Nutritious. And let me also tell you, this is hard for me. You know, self-care, I told you, nine and eight and eight, all of that, it has been really convicting for me. I have been used to skip meals and, and do a lot of things because there are so many things to do to keep up with the harmony of the world, right? My harmony is keeping a meal is easy, right? And, and I'm reminded that the way that I create the rhythms of food, healthy food, I come from a background of hotel management. You know, I went to to school um, for to become a hotel manager, and I learned to eat in something like seven minutes. You know, because you need time, and that has been with me all my life. I create. I can create. I can cook. I can serve. And you know, as a hotel manager, you have to learn all those things. For others, I'm awesome, but for myself. It's ruthless sometimes how I treat myself. Food is the first practice to take care of your body. Rest. Rest. We have patterns of rest. Patterns of sleep that are healthy. There's always something else to do. Right? But there's a moment and we need to rest. And let me just add to the point of right now we have everything so available right work information or entertainment whatever you want even you can put purpose right i can be chatting with somebody in china you know in a different time zone my right? purpose is there but everything is so available to technology and a good idea is the unit rest and let's put it this way steve Mackey actually talks about that your devices need to rest too they need to go to bed at night right so are you resting? How many hours? This is not legalistic that you have to rest eight hours. Some people might need a little bit more. Some people might need less. But are you resting the amount of time that your body needs to try? Thinking of, of self-care. Exercise. Uh, probably that is the only thing that I've, I've, I've done well in the sense, but it's more my addictive behavior than anything. Exercise. Are you exercising? Is your body uh, moving? You need uh, at least 30 seconds. That's what psychology says. You know, at least 30 seconds of, you know, movement, actual movement per hour. You know, and, and yes, some people would put every hour a little chime in their phone and make sure that they go, they do 10 squats, whatever it is. But if, if you work in an office or you work with your mind all the time sitting, you need to do something. Take a walk. Do something that gets your, your body, your, your blood moving. Medical checkup. When was the last time that you took care of your body by going to a doctor? What about thinking about this in a way that is spiritual practice? You know, I'm taking care of my body. Medical checkup. And listen to your body. Uh, this is also a deep topic, you know. We need to learn to understand our body not only as a place where there are bad things happening, but actually there are really good things that happen. Uh, some time ago, I've been uh, in, in, growing in, in my understanding of my body as a blessing and of my body, physical body, as I'm going to say it as a radar, as, as, as a communication, as, as an intelligence. That, and I'm not being weird, but God has given my body some capacity of perception. If not, ask somebody who cannot see a blind person how senses develop, how we can perceive, you know, temperature and, and so many things. So there is something that is communicated and perceived not by my ears, my eyes, but by my body. And I've been thinking and learning. So, what is my body telling me? This is a huge topic, right? Where in my body do I feel this? What What is God telling me through all of this? What's my body telling me? 
a book about uh, the, the body keeps a score, right? Talking about uh, hurt wounds and, and hurts and things that we, if we don't deal with them, they kind of store <laughs> in our body, right? Listen to your body. Psychology tells us that nine seconds before your mind makes sense of something that's going on, your body already is sending you messages and telling you. So do you see? We, we do this work in, in faith, walking actually, anxiety, right? There's, there's already sweat in my hands or there is already something in my jaw, this tension in my neck. Your body is already reacting and telling you. So learning to listen to your body is, is very helpful, but self-care. And as you listen to your body, you listen when your body stands and when your body needs something. So care for your body. What will it look like for you to have eating practices that create a healthy body that makes a space for God? What about that? How is this connected? What will it look like for you to engage in a sleeping or exercise patterns that help your body to feel alert and alive to the activity of God in your soul? I can tell the tiredness and I can tell the, the, the need of rest. I become clumsy. I don't do well. Anyway, that's Mia Arakaki. Care for your mind. Let's go quickly to mention a, a couple of things. And if you have done the faith walking work, and I think most of you have, you, this is very familiar. First, uh, distinguish. Learn to distinguish between your thoughts and your emotions. Now, it is really helpful. This is actually one way to, to talk about differentiation of self. It is really helpful when you can feel your emotions and honor your emotions, but it's not super healthy when you are, you know, you, you start only trying to think your emotions or uh, only trying to feel your thoughts. You know, it becomes confusing and it takes us to patterns that are not helpful. When you learn to distinguish what's a thought and what's an emotion, you will get access to what we call meanings, right? Meanings. Meanings is the story that we make. Sometimes it's, it's a story that is connected with truth and, and is helpful. And sometimes it's a story that is not connected with truth, but with a past experience or a perceived threat that is not happening. And it becomes a little bit an addictive cycle in our minds. Any counselor will tell you, right, that this is the whole aspect of, of confronting your thoughts and seeing what, what of those thoughts what, what if there is true and what's helpful and what is not. Choose to focus on, on, on just the focus of your thoughts. You are a master of your mind. It's hard when your mind becomes your master, right? Passages like everything that is good and, and truthful and noble and gentle and, and you know, worthy of, of uh, praise. I will think about those things. And I'm not saying this in, in kind of a moralistic way, but there is something about truth and hope. And I'm going to distinguish in a way, especially hope, because truth, everything that is truth, God is God of truth, right? In everything that is truth, God is revealed, right? When I, we talk about hope, there is something about the hope that comes, is biblical hope, is not necessarily that just comes from the Bible, comes actually from the character of God. That hope, Hebrews 11, comes out of who God is and what God has promised is that trumps everything. It trumps the hope that we have in circumstances external to us or in our own efforts. So there's a moment, I call it, that is the, the basement of my house. This is the bottom line, right? If everything is gone, what, what stays, what is the foundation of my being, it is that God has promised. And that sounds so not intellectual, but it's very helpful for my mind because my mind can only rest sometimes when God hits that space that says, but God has promised. Biblical hope is infused, I believe, by the Spirit of God, by the Scripture of God, in our times with God, and is the only thing that holds and sustains us, especially in moments of great anxiety and crisis. And you can choose between thinking of the worst is going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, what if, what if, what if, what if? Or you can 
go to the basement of your house <laughs> and rest there and lay down and fall asleep in that truth, in that hope, and find that rest. God has promised. That's easy to say, but believe me, it works. Give your mind a break. Another practice, how to take care of your things in your mind. Give it a break. You know, for me, it's handiwork, art, nature, whatever is not thinking. Somebody put it, if, uh, if you work uh, with your mind, Sabbath with your hands, right? This is kind of the, the same idea, uh, gardening, carpentry or, or whatever, woodworking or whatever you, it might be knitting, you know, anything that works, that, that makes you engage in, in, in a different kind of, of, of work that is not just thinking, especially if you work as a, as a, as a job, your mind is, is helpful. Art, try it. Beautiful poetry, painting, music. You know, we all sing. And I, it's a window of my soul. Beautiful music. Nature. Silence. Listen to your inner dialogue. Right? Pay attention. Be aware. If you could put voices to what you are telling yourself in every moment, what are you telling yourself? Give that voice a little bit of a break. Let's move on. Care, care of our emotions. Um, honor your emotions. You know, your emotions come. There's a beautiful poem from Rumi that says that everything comes as a messenger. Welcome everything. This, the poem is, is, is called This Being Human. <laughs> you know, and joys and, and excitements and, and hopes and yay, awesome, and, and, and sorrows and pain and fear. This being human, everything comes. Like he says, this being human is like a guest house. Welcome. Welcome everything. And try to listen. They might be messengers telling you something else. Don't try to think your emotions or, or exclude your emotions or avoid your emotions. Honor them, you know, in a godly way. And I guarantee you, your emotions will, will be honored and will serve you to the in the design that God created. Set boundaries. There's a lot to say about boundaries, but emotional boundaries are necessary. We live in, in an age of fusion too. We get anxiety is contagious. So we have information all the time. And so the anxiety of my friend in Facebook who lives in Argentina, it is having a high toll on me and my family. Guess what? I need a boundary. Sometimes I need a boundary. And boundaries happen in many, many ways. Write your own psalms, lament or celebration. You know, honor your emotions that way. When you feel overwhelmed, write, become a psalmist. <laughs> you write yours. Nobody has to read them if you don't want to, but tell God things as they are. Be vulnerable. Talk about transformation conversations, for example, in feed walking. Learn to, to shine light of vulnerability in your emotions. The emotions that are in the dark of your own, when you don't share your own thought, they become a little bit sick things, you have to admit. I mean, I, I don't want to overgeneralize. There are things that we all carry. But they are, yeah, that's a better way to put it. There are emotions that become a um, heavy burden that we are not meant to carry alone. And it doesn't mean that I have to find somebody to fix my problem, right? It's just the, the, the blessing of listening or, or me having the space to share what is my burden, what makes it lighter. Being vulnerable. I will add here, deal with your past. <laughs> deal with the past wounds and hurts, right? That's the whole deal. We talk about that. Listen to your emotions once again. What are your emotions telling you? Again, remember I was telling you about, about my body. I'm learning to listen to my body. Uh, and that's pretty cool, even thinking again in the Enneagram, my gut, right? This is one of the centers of intelligence, my gut. 
my gut uh, is telling me something and I have to admit that I, I listen to my mind and I listen to my heart. I have to make a balance. And actually, when I listen to my gut, I get a lot of clarity. In the same way, you might listen to your mind and to your, to your body, but you don't listen to your emotions, to your heart. So here's the balance, you know, if, if God has given us emotions and they can help us to, to, to listen things that God is telling us or what God wants us to see, listen. What will God will be telling you through that emotion about you, about him, about others? So those are a few ideas for self-care regarding emotions. So let me let me finish with this couple of ideas. You know, uh, so how this looks like? Well, what is the practice of self-care? Yes, okay, I get it in the food and the rest, and <laughs> going to the doctor. But I love the idea of Sabbath, and, and we all have uh, learned. And I don't know if it is all of us or only me, but. I'm, I have a struggle with salad a lot, precisely because I live in a culture and I grew up in a culture in which there's no Sabbath. Right? Sabbath is just is the past now, it's in modern times. We need to work, 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 right? Imagine I grew up in a hotel. You know, <laughs> hotels don't have Sabbath, they don't close on Sunday or Christmas. So I grew up there. This has been a very hard journey for me in thinking of Sabbath. Walter Brueggemann, as only he can do it, you know, put it in, I think it's called, the book is called Sabbath as Resistance, an amazing book. He puts it this way. In our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of both of resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. It is an alternative to the demanding, chatting, pervasive presence of advertising and its great liturgical claim of professional sports that devour all our rest time. It's pretty insightful. You know, the resistance, I'm going to put it this way. Okay, this is Mar Marco's version of what I read, <laughs> Walter. It is a resistance of the temptation that I have to be my real enemies, consumerism, productivity, my own anxieties. It helps me. It's a resistance to my, the lie that I believe that I am limitless. It's an act of humility that allows me to remember that I am limited. And it's an alternative to, to things that I don't think are very helpful and work well. Personally, I don't have like, you know, professional sports. I, I, I don't watch any sports, so that part doesn't connect, but there are so many things I can tell you. Give me any project, and you will discover that I'm addicted to that it becomes it grows it grows it grows it grows it grows in me and and i know that that is a disorder attachment so this is the alternative to me you know i don't have to do that sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes that is how well put right they're not just looking for a pause every week to feel better and keep going it is the pause that transforms would you let yourself be touched by sabbath and let me reframe that. Would you let yourself be touched by the God of Sabbath? Go on Sabbath can touch your body. And I'm going to use these this words, okay? And you, you know what I mean? It will heal your body. And it will touch your mind. And it will heal your mind. And it will touch your emotions and your heart. And it will heal your emotions and your heart. In the, in the faith walking material, we say that Sabbath is uh, a declaration that we are enough because God made us enough. Actually, it's a declaration that God is enough. <laughs> he has provided. He will provide. So it is an amazing way to, to self-care, to bring the limits and the understanding of that. So let me close with Mia Arakaki again, 
We worship God with our whole selves, body, mind, heart, and spirit. Consider the connection between your physical state and the state of your soul. Your soul is affected when your body is tired, exhausted, and haggard. But when you nourish your body well, you are also caring for your soul. Self-care. So I love to, to hear your comments, questions, hopes, resistance. It's helpful to me to go back to one of the first things you said about uh, we're integrated beings. And I think uh, this, is, this is a helpful reminder to me because I tend to compartmentalize. Uh, so all these things kind of stand on their own. And I don't use, I'm not usually aware of the connectedness and uh, that, that they all influence the others, uh, the, the physical, the mind, the, the spirit, the, you know, the, all of those things are connected. So that's a help, it's a helpful reminder to me, just to, beginning with awareness. Yes. So thank you. It is. It is the awareness usually is the first step and, and you know what you say just made me think briefly about something that I believe is it is worthy to, to be aware of. And, and it is the indirectness sometimes that uh, in which God deals with us. I, I don't know if you have noticed that probably there are moments where God is goes right to the heart of the thing, right? But there are other times when that going to the heart of the thing is is indirect. It is, you know, so so tell me. Oh, uh, where is your husband? You know, to the Samaritan woman. So it is like, it's going right to the heart, but you see how indirect it is. Anyway, point that I want to make is um, when we are dealing with, uh, with things uh, that sometimes are hard, might be emotional, but might, might be mine, just thinking of, of how, how I'm sleeping how I'm eating, how I'm resting. You know, this is the idea of, again, of the indirectness. There's so much of things that open up. And I believe that that is the way that God sometimes approaches us. So thanks for, for the comment. I think it's very helpful. Who else? Um, this was a really good reminder, Marcos. I think, um, ironically, I've had a hard time. I'm, I think I'm usually okay at self-care. I've struggled with it uh, since being home for quarantine. Um, I have a one of my. I have two part-time jobs, and one of them I'm working from home now, uh, which affords me flexibility. I don't have to um, be at my computer at a certain time of day. Uh, unfortunately, what that looks like is I've kind of ended up working at all kinds of random days and times. And um, I'm working early in the morning and late in the evening and on the weekends, like I'm just doing it here and there. Uh, I have kids home with me, um, so they can be a distraction at times. I, I love being around them more, but they can be a distraction at times and having to do more cooking and cleaning. Um, so ironically, when I on one hand think, oh, I should have more time because I'm not traveling to and from work and I'm not having to run errands or even not having the commitments um, on our time like church and small groups and, and running my kids to their extracurricular activities and stuff. Um, but somehow having more time makes my schedule feel fuller because my time is unorganized, um, which is a self-care issue. I, I don't, um, I'm not intentional enough about my time. Uh, my sleep schedule is all wacky because I don't have to get up at a certain time. So I find myself, you know, getting up uh, late, or getting up early some days, getting up late, staying up late, going to bed early. Um, yeah, so uh, this was a really good reminder and I think very timely for me right now. So thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Laura. That's really helpful, actually. You know, I always think uh, what you say makes me think of, I don't know if you 
grew up or you're old enough to remember that this game, it was a video game of all the few ones that <laughs> existed when I was the Tetris. You know, where all the pieces have to fall and, you know, get into place or, and, and then things will come and you cannot put them in the right place and they keep, then you game over, right? You, you get lost. I, I think of, of that, you know, big things, small things. I don't know. It's first things first. And that is a good, good thing. And you say, first things, okay, God is first. Okay, so I'm going, yes, God is first. But sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is to go to sleep, to take a nap, to eat a good meal. That is most spiritual things, like for Elijah, right? So, and we're learning. We're learning. And the awareness helps us. So thanks for sharing. It's very good. Um, and lots of really good reminders. Um, I generally at church, um, being on staff, our, I think we're encouraged to have a really good pattern um, of like that work-rest balance. Um, but obviously when you're at home, like it all goes it's all a bit strange and this sort of time everything like what would a day seems to take um but I'm blessed that our senior pastor keep messaging us and reminding us that we have to have the right balance and we have to you know make sure we're working our right hours even if that looks even it's not like nine till five, but we're working, you know, across days more or into the evening, but starting later. Um, it's just been, yeah, it's just good to think out. I'm being encouraged on not just here, but outside of here as well to, to have the right balance, to, to look after all the parts of me that, that need looking after. Um, and on that, do a leadership training um, once a month. And the last couple of months have been on um, being before doing and emotionally healthy spirituality. So again, some really good self-care. And I love the fact we would, that's one of the key things that um, we encourage our leaders to have, even, even as we were kind of, even in their training, is that, you know, the, um, self-awareness and self and having the right balance is is so important it, you know you can't life doesn't happen if you don't think about these things and so yeah it's, it's yeah. thank you thank you michelle it's such a such a refreshing uh, to to hear how leadership you know leadership usually impacts and sets the tone of things like this. And uh, in whatever level of leadership, you can think of leadership like the senior pastor and, you know, the training, the structures, right? Or you can think of leadership of, of, of a father or a mother in home, and that is the same thing with kids, right? We all know that, even thinking if, if children, you know, we, we, we are to model. The, the, the love and the care of God is, is incarnated in those two realms, uh, you know, encouraging self-care, encouraging goodness, wholeness, something that is benign for you. And when we talk about the youth, whole, the whole of you, not only your spirit, but all of you, right? And self-care, like many, like any other spiritual practice, it needs a rhythm, right? It needs a rhythm. Everything in, in the world, I think everything has a rhythm that provides that integrity. And those rhythms change. So both of you, Laura and, and you, Michelle, have mentioned about the being at home. Of course, it changes. And here we are. You know, the, the previous order gets disorganized. <laughs> now there is disorder. Oh my gosh, how do I do this? But it is a stage with... with the health of God, there is a reorder. 
right? And learning that uh, we adapt. Actually, we are created and designed by God to learn and to adapt. That's also helpful. So how does self-care, what does self-care look like for you in different seasons of your life? It's very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you all for for sharing. I like to to finish, uh, you know, with uh, with this this passage. Actually, it is again a message. The paraphrases Romans twelve one. We read that, but this is the message paraphrases, and I like how we say it. Right. So here is what I want you to do, says Paul. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before god as an offering what a beautiful idea you know i have to remind myself that yes i i'm dividing i'm making these compartments of work and you know this and friendship and husband and parent and what if all of that is part of the same thing i believe that is good for my soul to think because god is everywhere then and i am all all of me is for god my sleeping me <laughs> my hungry me right my emotional being is all also offered to god so let me say quick prayer let you go father what a beautiful reminder lord that uh, we can offer all those selves to you all those areas all the all those patterns all the needs of care in our existence to you and as I even say that, Lord, I remember that I'm reminded that it's Jesus who says that you, Lord Jesus, you are the one who is holding all together. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to be aware and to practice self-care as a discipline through which one we can get closer to you and get to know you more and honor you and worship you. May it be so, Lord. In your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us slash donate. Thank you for listening. Till I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes